welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I'm Micah. If we if we haven't met, you'll notice a couple of things this morning. Number one, I brought the car, the, the the things this week. So, if you were here last week, you might remember that I forgot to pick those up from Kinkos, but I I got them as promised. So later in our gathering, when we come up for communion, you'll be invited to add your name to the well, as it were, which if you weren't here last week, hopefully that will make a little bit more sense as we go on. And then I'll just say that next week we will begin a new series called, it's one that we've done in the past, it's, it's been known as Lost in Translation, but I told my 15-year-old, we're calling it Jesus Lit. <laughs> and she was like, no, Dad. Do not say that. And I'm like, I am going to say it. She's like, I know you will, but just don't. So it's lost in translation, but we're sticking in the gospel. So it's only things Jesus has said. So throughout the summer, we've done this in the past where we found the most obscure, most bizarre, most difficult to understand passages in the Bible, and we just try to make sense of them. Sometimes that goes better than others. Uh, But, uh, you know, Nobody does that, right? Everybody sort of steers clear of the passages we don't understand, and we're just going to aim, aim it right at it and, and do that. Of which, Jesus has no shortage of cryptic things that he says, amen? And bizarre things that he says where you're like, what? Kill, hate your father and mother? So we're going to do that one. And a number of others, but that'll be lost in translation, Jesus style, next week, starting next week. So look forward to that. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite series that we do. Today, what we're going to do is, in just a moment, we're going to get to um, some space. We're going to participate in something called Lectio Divina, if you've never done that before. It's uh, a sacred reading of the text, so hopefully creates some space to open up some things. Uh, and then we'll, a time of silence and, and confession, and then moving towards communion together. Before we do that, I want to just mention a couple things as it relates to last week. It was a big week in the life of our church. We hosted our eighth annual um, annual meeting last Sunday night, and uh, if you didn't get the email, I wanted to let you know that all the, nominee, all the nominees for advisory team and nominating committee, uh, the, the bylaws that we, we proposed, and then most importantly, uh, the statement regarding the, free, the affirmation of freedom in Christ all passed by the vote of the partners at Awaken, which um, I think is a really big deal. It was a really big night, and uh, some very important things were said, and, and I think our church kind of spoke with one voice on, on a number of things that are very important. Uh, so a few people have asked me, like, okay, Micah, so this statement regarding the, the affirmation of freedom in Christ, like, that was passed. Like, what does that mean? Like, now what? What changes? A bit anticlimactically, nothing. Um, Nothing really changes at Awaken. We just continue to do what we're doing and what we have been doing over the last three years. We just have something that sort of states that our our community has said out loud that this is the direction we're going. So nothing really changes, uh, really. We continue to create safe space um, and, and a space of belonging for LGBTQ people, as well as we continue to extend freedom to each other on matters that are non-salvific, or uh, another way to say that is on non-essential matters. Uh, We continue to give each other freedom in Christ to be learners, to be on the journey, to be uh, committed to Scripture and its authority in our lives, and we continue to carve out that space for each other, regardless of where one lands when they read the Bible, and any number of topics, right? Uh, So we're going to just keep doing that, and so in sort of preparation for last week, we finished this series, Wells and Fences, and we talked about freedom in Christ and how important this idea is, not only in the life of our church, but in the life of our denomination. 
And uh, in the last week, uh, a number of things have happened denominationally that I want to just, I don't mean to be like doomsday, like the sky is falling, but I want to say that whether or not we affirm and believe in freedom in Christ is, is really the question. And whether we're going to live into that as a denomination is, is a question that remains to be answered. We've answered that as a congregation. Yes, we're all in on that. We're gathering around this well, and we're extending freedom to each other in non-essentials. Uh, but whether or not our denomination like, says we're, that's us into the future, we'll see in the next few months. So... In light of that, I wanted to take one more opportunity to just kind of zero in on this idea and make sure that we're all understanding it. So a couple of quotes will go up on the screen behind me. This one you recognize. With a modesty born of confidence in God, covenanters, awakeners, are, have offered and are offering to one another theological and personal freedom where the biblical and historical record seems to allow for a variety of interpretations. That's the heart and soul of freedom in Christ. So on matters that are not connected to salvation and one's faith in Christ, we extend freedom to each other where there seems to be a variety of interpretations on a matter in Scripture. That's the heart and soul of freedom. So what does this mean? Um, This is a a quote from a paper that was written in, presented in 1963, and that may seem like, oh my gosh, that's outdated and antiquated, but it is just gold, you guys. It's so dynamite. I have read it multiple times. One night in prep for this journey we were on over the last six months, I was in bed late at night, like reading this paper um, on, on Christian freedom and biblical authority. And I was like highlighting things and yes, yes. And at one time I was crying and Laura comes in and she's like, what are you reading? And I'm like, you would never believe it if I told you what I was reading. A paper written in 1963 presented at the annual meeting of the Evangelical Covenant Church of America. But I was. Here it is. This is what it's from. It says this, when Christian freedom as thus defined is applied to our personal relationships, superficial barriers become unimportant. The things that don't need to divide us, don't divide us. And each person has the right to be themselves as an individual in Christ. That's our unity. Each person makes their contribution to the freedom of the entire Christian community, the entire fellowship. This means, get this, listen up kids, For instance, that we show our brother and sister the courtesy of hearing and of seeking to understand both word and meaning and that we do not judge them without allowing for the opportunity to state their case. What does this mean? I've said this before, but this will not work if we are not actively pursuing and engaged in relationships together as a community. This whole idea only works if we're in relationship with each other where we begin to listen and hear, which means we have to stop talking for at least a moment or two to really listen to what someone is saying. Not just the words they're saying, but their heart, the intent, the meaning behind the words. You know that those two things are often separated. So we hear so that we understand one another. So that, or, or, and then we, we, we choose not to judge, but listen and let someone else share their, their perspective. This is, this is helpful. This is good. Going on. It also means that we exercise care in our use of words with possible emotional overtones and that we never use a disagreement with our brother or sister as an opportunity for personal advancement at their expense. <laughs> right? Could our schools and politicians and s- systems use a little bit more of that? Amen? 
On the one hand, it means that we recognize that others, we recognize that others have the freedom to differ with us according to their understanding of Scripture and the will of God. And on the other hand, it means that we have the freedom to change our own position as we understand the will of God more clearly. One of my best friends says, I reserve the right to, uh, to do my theology in pencil. Yeah? I mean, is there anything that you affirmed 10 years ago that you just, you're like, oh gosh, if anybody knew that I said that. Right? So we reserve the right to do our theology in pencil. Why? Because you're a verb. You're not a noun. You're in process. You're moving. You're acting. You're alive. You're breathing. You're learning. You're growing. God is revealing God's self to you. Praise the Lord. So you're learning new things. So we reserve the right to do that. And in doing so, we're free in our personal relationships and we're free, we're becoming free as we help one another conform more closely to the will of God as it's revealed in Scripture. Friends, you might be sick and tired of me talking about this um, and I apologize, but I'm not going to apologize. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. Isn't that a song? I really do think that this is, this is the heart and soul. And it, if we lose this, we lose the very... Uh, the, the DNA of Awaken in some ways. And so I want to just continue to put that out there to say, we're gathering around this well. The well is the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Fittingly, we're, doing, we're coming to the table today. That's it. And on the other things that are not connected to our salvation and not connected to the essentials of Christian faith, we extend freedom to each other. This is what we're doing, all right? We're going to keep practicing it, we're going to keep trying it, and hopefully we're growing and we're maturing as a community. Amen? Amen. All right, so uh, for the rest of our time this morning, I want to invite you to an experience around the text, around the Word of God, the Scriptures. Uh, Lectio Divina affirms the idea that the Bible is alive and active, that it's speaking, and that while it, it may have been written 2,000 years ago, that God continues to choose to reveal God's self to us through it. So as I read this, I'm going to give you a couple of prompts. This is a story from the book of John, and I'm going to invite you to imagine some things. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. But we all, you and I, with unveiled faces, so with the blinders off, we're beholding, we're seeing, as in a mirror, the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from one glory to another. What is Paul saying? He's essentially saying, insofar as we can behold the glory of God, the goodness of God, the truth of God, we can then be transformed by that image. St. Ignatius of Loyola, uh, late 1500s, talked about this idea of imaginative prayer. To the degree that we can see in our mind's eye the truth about something, in this case God, is the degree to which we can be changed by it. We can be transformed by it. So if you say, I believe that God is love, but then when you imagine God, God is not love, what you're transformed by, what you're shaped, shaped by, is what you see in your mind, not what you say it with your mouth. So I want to invite you in this process of Lectio to really actually see and imagine the text. Let it become alive. Live in it for a moment and see what God might say to you this morning. Does that sound good? So, if you would, uh, take a couple of deep breaths. And actually, if you want to spread out and use the room, like if you're a little too close to your neighbor... Feel free to move or, you know, find a kneeler. Uh, if you want to use the kneelers, you're welcome to. The prayer space is available. So feel free to move about. Um, and as you do, take a couple of deep breaths. Like, find yourself seated where you are. And if you would, close your eyes. Try to picture, imagine, see 
what you hear. This first time through, I want to invite you to imagine that you're a part of the crowd. That as John tells this story about Jesus and this man who is healed, just imagine that you're one of the onlookers. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said that the man, to the man who was cured, you can't walk on the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, So first you were a part of the crowd. I want you to imagine seeing, experiencing this story through the eyes of one you identified with in the story. So maybe it's one of the sick people. Maybe it's this man. Maybe it's Jesus. Maybe it's one of the Jewish leaders. But someone you identify with. And imagine seeing experiencing this story through their eyes, in their shoes. After Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there before me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, and so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me, he told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. 
But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he told him, read the story one more time, and this time I want to invite you to see, experience this story through the eyes of somebody you do not identify with. Somebody that maybe you felt distance from as you heard it. I want to invite you to really step into their shoes. Why might they say the things that they said? What might have happened? What might be going on that they responded this way? Try to imagine this story from somebody you do not identify with in the story. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I cannot, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found you, and he told you, In the next few moments of silence, I want you to imagine, what does Jesus say? Imagine you're in the presence of God. What might Jesus want to say to you today? Is there anything you need to bring? Anything you need to offer? Jesus says, cast your cares, give me your cares, because I care for you. Is there anything you might want to confess as we make our way to this table? Anything that you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to say to God? In the next few moments of silence, I'll invite you to do that. And then I'll walk us towards communion. Would you stand for a blessing? To the church gathered in St. Paul, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Enjoy the day. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com.
or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community. Or on Twitter, Awakening Community. See you next time.